So this is my new favorite video. I'm telling you, I watched that and trimmed it down and I was just dying laughing. So I hope you enjoyed that. Again, he gave me permission to do it. He did an exceptional job. And that's, listen, there's probably everybody out there that you're watching their videos or their welcome videos or whatever. Everybody's probably got footage like that, but no one wants to share it. So I'm just like, we're gonna be raw. And listen, I had to do my entire message last week. My entire music and message, I had to do that twice because the first round I did it, all the audio and video were all messed up. I had no idea. So like, listen, I got my own footage, but Dan was gracious enough to let us show um, some of that stuff. And I'll tell you, I hope, I hope you got a good laugh of that. And really it goes right with my message today and where we're gonna be on this Palm Sunday. We're gonna be in Mark chapter 11. Listen, our expectations of easiness are completely destroyed when you finally kind of get in front of the lights, in front of the microphone, in front of the camera. You know, that's, we just don't know what to expect. We don't know what to expect, even now. I mean, we're, we're, I'm recording a message and, and you're just like, oh, you don't really know. Our expectations are destroyed when we finally are faced with reality. And oftentimes, our expectations about anything are very far from what really happens, are far from reality. And we're gonna look at a, a gospel story today about a group of people that had some high expectations. Mark chapter 11. Okay, Mark chapter 11, we find the account of the triumphal entry. Okay, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the Palm Sunday story. Okay, and that's where we're in Mark chapter 11. I'm going to read the first 10 verses completely. Uh, we'll pray, and then we'll jump right into the message. Okay, so let's, let's read it together. It says in verse 1, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethphage, unto, unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples. And saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, wherein never man sat. Loose him, and bring him, uh, bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And when they went their way, and found the colt tied by the door, without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them, even as Jesus commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments upon him, and he sat upon him. Look at verse 8. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh, that, that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Mark 11 verses 1 through 10. Let's pray and ask God to bless the message and then we'll move on. Lord, we love you. We need you this morning. Please bless this message, this virtual message, Lord. I ask you to help those who are watching to not be distracted. Keep me safe from distraction as well. Help everything to go well. There'll be no, no um, break in the technology, but got everything just smoothly go so your word can be preached in this unique time in our country and in our world. Well, keep us safe. Keep us healthy. Help the message to resonate in hearts today, whoever's watching. And Lord, if there's someone that's not saved that's going to be watching this, please help them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and the grace that he offers. Please help them to be saved today. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' precious name, we ask for these things. I plead the blood of Christ over this message. Amen. Do you see the expectation of the people in these verses? They're pumped. 
They're excited. The, the fact, uh, the, every part of this story uh, uh, that you've seen, and we've all heard it before on Palm Sunday, every part of the story has something that's, that's easy to miss. Even, the, even how Jesus chose to enter the city. It's, it's different. It, you know, it doesn't talk about how he entered the other city. Sometimes he probably just went, entered the city like anyone else would. But in this case, he told his disciples to go get a donkey for him to ride in on. He traveled uh, to this city, to Jerusalem, uh, a city known for killing prophets. A city known for stoning uh, uh, people, pre- preachers, people that preached the gospel. Uh, a, a city uh, uh, known um, that for executing troublemakers. He was headed there and he knew what to expect. He knew how the people would react. And he knew also how just a few days later, how they respond at his trial. Jesus knew what was going to happen. And it's like he got everything ready for this. He got everything prepped and prepared for this entry into Jerusalem. You know, uh, being in Bethany and getting the donkey and all these other things. Almost like he was trying to to trigger their expectations. He knew exactly uh, how stirred up they were going to get. He knew that they were going to get excited. Listen, the the people knew who Jesus was. They had heard of the things that he'd done, the miracles that he'd performed. They knew about him. Listen, he had just... Jesus had just come from Bethany where he had raised Lazarus from the dead back to life. And even back then before social media, listen, the news had traveled fast and had spread throughout the whole region. Listen, in their minds, these people, God was going to rescue his people again. God was going to deliver his people again. Like he always did. He was going to defeat the enemy, uh, bring the promised Messiah. And, and this was going to be the one that would deliver them from the, the tyranny of Rome. And he was going to restore order and, and, and take back God's city. And the one who was going to bring peace to God's people. The one who would crush the enemy that had enslaved them for so long. And they were excited. <laughs> that, that's what they believed. Those were their expectations. The palm branches, the the cloaks being spread out, those were symbols. The the palm branches, that salvation was coming, as in being saved from the enemy, from their enemy. The the, the cloaks being spread out uh, symbolized the the welcoming of a new king. I mean, they were going to have their freedom. And, And both of these actions that the people did, it points back to another factual story in Jewish history. I, I, I didn't even know about this till I, I studied this message out. And it's, it's, it's really cool and very interesting. Jewish history tells that 200 years before Jesus came, so 200 BC, God's people had been rescued from tyranny by another un, uncommon man. This guy's name was Judas Maccabeus. And this guy, Judas, had also, 200 years before, he had also trotted into town on a donkey. And the people had also at that time, 200 years earlier, 200 years before Mark 11, had taken out the palm branches and, and had spread out the coats and had sang uh, uh, psalms of praise and, and, and had sang the hosannas. And when that guy arrived, when Judas arrived 200 years earlier, Syria had taken over Jerusalem. And you know what he did? He defeated the king. He, he took back the temple. He kicked out the pagans. He restored order took it back from the enemy that had occupied the city, restored peace to God's people. And his rule lasted for over a century until the Romans came and took back over and took over. So what do you think these people are thinking? 
Obviously, in their minds, they're thinking, God has sent us another hero. God has sent us another uh, man that's, that's going to save us from the enemy. And the Messiah's come. There's a, there's a new sheriff in town. And, and now those were their expectations. They're, they're getting hyped up for another hostile takeover. Those were their expectations there in Mark 11. They begin to sing this, this, this song of Hosanna, which is a Passover song. And, and it's taken right from Psalm 118, which is one of the most quoted psalms back then. And the psalmist in Psalm 118 uh, tells of the enemy uh, swarming like bees. And how the psalmist was just kind of on the brink of destruction, just almost overtaken. But then God comes through and with a mighty hand just defeats the enemy. And they're singing that song to Jesus. And they're saying, Hosanna, which means, uh, Lord, save now. That's what Hosanna means, Lord, save now. They were asking Jesus to drive out the enemy, to, to restore order. Even the donkey plays a part in, who, uh, in their expectations of who they thought Jesus was. The donkey. Zechariah 9.9, the Old Testament uh, says uh, in, in verse 9 of Zechariah 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, having salvation, lowly. And guess what? Riding upon a donkey. Riding upon a colt. A colt. So obviously, you know what they're thinking. I have no doubt that that night after, after this day of rejoicing where they waved the palm branch, I bet that night around at dinner time, the Jews are gathered around in their homes and they're probably whispering so the enemy doesn't hear so the Romans over here like, this has got to be the guy, right? This, is, this has got to be the guy. He, he, did, he did come riding in on a donkey, right? This is what, this is what Zachariah was talking about. Our, our Messiah is here. Our hero has arrived. The people had some high expectations. <laughs> but they were completely flawed. They were completely off base. They would soon find out that their definition of Messiah was not at all who Jesus was. And they were going to be angry. And they were going to revolt. And, and they were going to switch their praise to punishment. And, and Hosanna was going to turn to crucify him. Cries for salvation would soon turn into cries for execution. You know what? Jesus knew that. He knew that. He was going to crush their expectations. And it was going to cost him his life. And he knew what was going to happen. He knew how they'd react to him coming in on a donkey. He knew it all. They saw him riding that donkey. Like, like it was victory incarnate, just riding into town. But Jesus knew that this wasn't just some fun parade. He knew he was walking death row. He knew it was coming. He would ride into town on a donkey, cries of praise surrounding him. But just a few days later, he'd end up on a cross, surrounded by laughs of scorners, by the jeers of the soldiers, and by the cries of just a few followers. He knew it was going to happen. He will die here. He knew that riding in on that donkey. We see how fast people can turn when their expectations are not met. See, they wanted a king. Jesus was a king, but just not the king that they wanted. See, he came not to be served like a normal king, but to serve. 
He came unarmed with, with a promise of peace. He was going to die willingly, not be killed, but willingly give his life. This is not at all what they expected. It's been said that expectations are just resentments under construction. Expectations are resentments under construction. In our lives, we expect things to happen. We expect somebody in our life to act a certain way or to do a certain thing. We expect our jobs to to go well and to go smoothly. We expect our spouses to do what they're supposed to do. And we expect our kids to behave. And we expect uh, our financial situation to be comfortable. We expect our, our vehicles to last. And on and on and on we could go with our expectations of life. We expect God to do what we want him to do. But the moment he doesn't conform to our expectations of who we think he should be, we fall apart. We expect God to give us a spouse because we prayed really, really hard for it. Well, I'm sick of being single. We, 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 we expect our kids to turn out right because we brought them to church, because we taught them about loving God. We expect our bank accounts to be full and to live comfortably because we're working our job, we're doing our best, we're trying to save. We ask him to provide, we're depending on him. We ask him to heal our loved ones from disease and from ailment because he's a great physician and we believe he can and we have all these expectations of God. And then when those things don't happen in our lives, our expectation of who we thought God was or who we thought God should be are shattered. A loved one in our life dies. That one that we prayed so hard for that we believed that God could heal. They don't. That job that was so secure and that we lose it. Our spouse doesn't do what we think they should do or what they should do after praying. Maybe you're still single, desperately craving for a family. Your expectation of God has been shattered. Maybe your child's born with a disability. You're so excited about having a baby, having a kid, and, and then they're disabled. You're like, what's going on, Lord? What happened? You struggle to make ends meet, and sometimes they don't meet. The expectations that we had placed on God suddenly turn into distrust and disappointment. Some of you watching right now That's where you live right now. That's where you are in your life. Your expectation of God has been shattered. What you thought he should do, he hasn't done. How you expected to feel because of your faith in him, it's not that at all. Has who you expected God to be or what you expected God to do not come to fruition? Has it not happened? Let me remind you of something this morning. God did not come, God is not here to fulfill your expectation. God came here not to meet your expectation, but to meet your need. He did not come to meet your expectations, he is here to meet your need. Your need is not a spouse. Your need is not to have kids. Your greatest need is is not those things. 
Your greatest need is not more money or a better job. Your greatest need is not a nicer car. Your greatest need is not health. Your greatest need is to be saved from yourself. And it's my greatest need. And everybody watching, that is your greatest need. The people in Mark 11 on that sunny day in Jerusalem, waving their palm branches, throwing their coats down, singing Hosanna. Listen, they thought they knew what they needed. They thought they knew what they needed. But they didn't need restoration of their city. They needed restoration of their relationship with Father God. They they didn't need the Romans cast out. Listen, they needed the power of the blood of Jesus to cast out an even greater, more dangerous enemy themselves and the power of the flesh and the power of their sin. That's the enemy they needed to cast it out. They didn't need a soldier or this, this vicious king. They needed a savior. They needed a servant, a sacrifice. On this Palm Sunday, Remember a few things from this story, from Mark 11. Our expectations of God are often far from who he really is. That's the truth. Me, you, all of us. Our expectations of God are often far from who he really is. And because of that, that's why we fall apart when things don't go our way. When we place expectations on God based on what we want, that's always a recipe for resentment. When we place expectations on God based on what we think we need, what we want, it's always a recipe for resentment and discouragement. Listen, but believing God and what he says in his word, believing God and what he says, even when our expectations are shattered, that is the way to greater faith. That is the way to greater faith. What we call disappointment in our lives, when our expectations are shattered, what we call disappointment would be better defined as an invitation. You see what I mean, Donald? An invitation to relinquish control of our lives. This is, we call it disappointment when things don't go our way, but really what it is is it's an invitation, an opportunity to relinquish control of our lives of what we thought we needed, of what we thought we wanted, of what we hope is true. And what we call disappointment is an opportunity to stop trying to cast God in our image, to let God be who he is and and not who we wish he would be. It's, It's a good thing to have our expectations shattered. Listen, he is the savior king. That is who God is. He's not just uh, uh, then our, a nanny, this glorified nanny that takes care of our kids. We hope our kids turn out. He's not just this matchmaker that gives us a spouse. He's not just this, this uh, bellhop that does what we ask. That's not who he is. He is Savior King. That is who he is. That should be our only expectation is that he is the Savior King. Listen, let, let the Hosanna of your life, because we should rejoice in the salvation that that comes through Jesus Christ. We should rejoice in who God is. We should shout Hosanna for him. The Lord save now in your life, in your situation, may not relate to 
your relationships or your bank account or, 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 or your job status. Lord, save me from this or from that or from this person or this relationship. Help me. May your Hosanna not relate to that, but may it relate. <laughs> may it relate. May your Lord save now relate to your constant, desperate need for the grace that is found in Jesus Christ to deliver you from yourself, to deliver me from myself. I am my own worst enemy. I am the problem. May your Hosanna relate to yourself, to God saving you from you, not from everything around you. Listen, he is enough and he's always enough. He, and then in Mark 11, he, he's gonna walk that road through Jerusalem triumphantly. And he did and he shouted joy. But that triumph he knows is gonna turn into a trial. And the same people that are rejoicing and throwing their coats down, Soon enough, a few days later, they were rejoicing on one day, and a few days later, they're going to be rejecting a few days later. The trial is going to turn into an execution where a murderous criminal is going to be set free, and an innocent man will carry a cross to a hill covered in bleeding wounds, barely recognizable. He's going to be nailed to a cross, stabbed in the side, mocked, spit upon, beat. He's going to die between two criminals. His triumphant entry on a donkey will end with a lifeless body being carried to a borrowed tomb. And to be honest, hope seemed lost. Everything wasn't going how they expected, was it? And the, the, the few followers that did see Jesus on the cross probably walked home in defeat, even though Jesus had said, this isn't the end. They walked home defeated. Their expectations had been shattered. And maybe that's your life today. Listen, like your life for their story, thankfully, even though hope seems lost, it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. And in your life, hope may seem lost. Your expectations of God may be a little flawed. He is enough for you. And what you're facing is not the end of your story. I cannot wait to talk about the next chapter of this gospel story. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. Victory is coming. These people expected victory, didn't they? Victory is coming, but not in the way that they expected. Lord, we love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being Savior King. Help this message to have resonated with somebody, to speak to hearts, to change a life. God, help us to just see you for who you really are. We need you in our lives. You're enough for us for every situation. Help us not to base our expectation, place expectations on you based on what we think we need, but on what happens and what you allow to come into our lives. God, you are everything. You are enough and we love you and I love you. Bless us as we go. Thank you for being who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.